Hey you, this is your host Gina So, and welcome to Gina's Hour, where we discuss everything from reality to the imaginary, within an hour, or at least we try to. Today we have a couple of special guests here from the Knowledge Society, also known as TKS. Welcome my fellow friends Karina, Danielle, Hirol, and Ashvi. What's up you guys? Hey, Gina, thanks so much for having us here. We're super excited. Yeah, of course. So let's hear from each one of you. Who are you? And what is something you're working on right now? Hey guys, my name is Danielle. I'm 17 and I am from Great Neck, New York. I'm super interested in the intersection of neuroscience, physics, and engineering. And I'm currently working on a project using game theory to model how the brain allocates energetic resources at the lab for computational neurodiagnostics at Stony Brook. Hey, y'all. I'm Hiro. I'm 15 years old from Long Island, New York. I'm currently interested in cellular agriculture, but also experimenting in different fields and just learning about everything. Hey, I'm Ashvi, and I'm a 17-year-old from New York. I'm currently researching quantum computing, which is a combination of my two favorite fields, computer science and quantum physics. Super interesting. Hey everyone, my name is Karina Shaw. I'm 15 years old and I'm from Hillsdale, New Jersey. I'm currently delving deep into space tech and working towards making space exploration and inhabitation a reality. So Karina, what are we talking about today? We're talking about BCIs. Like BCI as in like the Bureau of Criminal Investigation, or... <laughs> no. Oh, we're talking about brain-computer interfaces. Yes, yeah, so brain-computer interfaces are super cool. They're an emerging technology, and essentially they're a bi-directional communication pathway between an enhanced or wired brain and an external device. So that means that the brain sends information to the external device, and the external device sends information back. So um, a really cool technology I think we could start with is responsive neurostimulation, which is super cool because it provides the opportunity for individualized patient treatment and also treatment that adapts to the state of your brain on a scale of milliseconds. So it's crazy. Um, so just to backtrack a little bit, neurostimulation itself is the therapeutic activation or modulation of a certain part of your nervous system. It's usually used when um, medication is unable to suppress seizure activity and um, specifically responsive neurostimulation, which, is, uh, which was developed by Neuropace um, is a type of BCI that can monitor and respond to brain activity to prevent seizures at their source. So it works in three steps. The first is monitoring brain waves at the seizure focus all the time, even when you're sleeping. Um, the second is detecting unusual electrical activity that can lead to a seizure. And the third is responding quickly to seizure activity by giving small bursts or pulses of electrical stimulation and the patient can't sense this at all. And it also all happens on a scale of milliseconds. So it's pretty nifty stuff. And these aren't just being used in the field of medicine. BCIs can be integrated with other emerging technologies like artificial intelligence. These BCIs powered by artificial intelligence can even allow people to read each other's minds. That's mind blowing, no pun intended. And it's pretty crazy how similar artificial intelligence is with how people think and see the world. Um, like I was reading about how people see images and recognize them. And the vocabulary was exactly the same as image recognition in computers. So there's a lot of intersection between the fields. That's interesting. 
And so what is the world doing with BCIs today? I mean, neural interfaces are being actively developed by companies as we speak. And for years and years, studies and reports suggest that the biggest use of technology would be in the medical field, where it estimates that by 2040, neural interfaces will be an established option to treating diseases like Alzheimer's. And other futuristic options could include the virtual sense to taste, smell, and see without physical sensation. I mean, there are so many interesting thoughts about how BCIs can be the instrument in boosting people's memories and improving their vision. And another thing that really excites me is the whole telepathic ability that BCIs highly suggest as possible. I'd also like to add on that um, BCIs can really improve a person's life, um, especially people who are blind um, and give them abilities to really see things. Um, And it's so interesting because BCIs will allow us to be two steps ahead of AI in the future. Adding on to that, BCIs have also been used to help those with seizures, paralysis, and literally help people who haven't been able to move for years move their arms, which is truly a revolutionary experience. And to be able to witness that with videos online and just being there in person, that experience just seems life-changing. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, I've heard about this guy in Texas who worked on a research project where he used BCIs to help a disabled man um, control his prosthetic leg. And it was super effective in actually controlling his fake leg just like it would have been a real one, just with his uh, neural stimulations. I think what's so great about BCIs is that they can overall improve a person's uh, quality of life. And I think that's just so great of an idea in and of itself. And uh, people can just live better lives and maybe even be happier uh, doing things that they could have never done without BCIs. I mean, if you take, for example, Elon Musk's Neuralink, you know, it's very controversial, but it still has um, potential to help like paraplegics who can't move any um, of their limbs. You know, they could actually do things that they never could have done beforehand just by thinking. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah, and speaking of Neuralink, duh, Elon Musk, right, is working on Neuralink for uh, several years now. And something really impressive about that is that their approach is using fine threads, which are thinner than the human hair, that can be implanted in a human brain to detect the activity of neurons. And a robot, also developed by the company, will be executing the procedure under the direction of a neurosurgeon. What do we think about that? A yeah, robot, I, I think yeah. it's absolutely crazy because uh, this procedure is essentially non-invasive. Um, so the needle that's um, injecting, for lack of better words, the threads inside uh, a patient's skull is practically, is like cannot be seen if you were to compare it to um, a penny. Um, and so it's so non-invasive and it's really... Um, practically simple process, um, which helps to minimize the patient's and consumer's fears as well. The precision of the Neuralink's robot in in of itself is just really fascinating as well. Um, the, The amount of thinking that had to be put into building this robot and making sure, because the skull and our brain is such an important part of our body and is very delicate, we have to make sure anything we do with that is safe. And the fact this caused like a lot of 
thought to be put into this robot, and you can definitely see it with, as Karina said, um, you can compare it to a penny. A Neuralink's device that they're using in um, patients, um, it it's, has to be super small because it can't um, interfere with the neurons and other components of the brain because the brain is constantly moving as you're doing different tasks throughout the day. So I find that really, that aspect super interesting because they were able to overcome that obstacle. Speaking of non-invasiveness, neural dusts are super small dust-sized wireless sensors that can be implanted in your body and monitor internal nerves, muscles, or organs in real time. And because these battery-less sensors could also be used to stimulate nerves and muscles, technology could also open the door to treat disorders such as epilepsy or stimulate the immune system or even tramp down inflammation. And there's also something called a silicon mesh, and it's basically a electronic tattoo. Electronic tattoo, guys! That has the potential to be applied to organs like the heart and the brain. Just imagine how much potential that has. I think that this is the only tattoo that my mom would allow me to have. So. For sure. I agree. I agree on that. There's even something called the neural mesh, which is like a soft mesh that's so flexible that it could be just injected through a needle and then will unfold and wrap around the brain. That's just weird, but cool and quirky. Quirky. All these innovations that we discussed are just the building blocks for future innovations that take it even a step further. I mean, who knows, one day maybe we'll even be able to have telekinesis. Yeah, and if you think about it, for thousands of years, our language hasn't really evolved past writing, right? And methods advance, but they're generally like the same. But with BCIs, it looks like we could turn telekinesis into a reality. Like, let's imagine you could send thoughts and your emotions wirelessly. Just imagine, like, you're stressed about school and the person next to you on the bus just, you know, picks up on your emotions. I don't know <laughs> if I want to hear that from my bus mate, but continue. Mm, but, you know, you get the point. Like, just turn around and you see your bus mate crying and you'll know why. And you're, like, too lazy to put what you're feeling into words, right? You're, you just think about something. You think about your, your feelings. You just convert that into a file. And you're just simply emailing that to someone else across the planet in its raw format. And you could just have them feel what you're literally feeling. Absolutely insane. It's also crazy, though, because we spend so much time on trying to communicate our ideas. And I know that there's, like, movements now to just, like increase the efficiency of your keyboard typing and they have all these ios updates where you can like slide maybe that was like the original android thing but there's so much work that's being done into being able to communicate your thoughts efficiently imagine just like having no barrier at all to that maybe like even eliminating language as a barrier just being able to communicate with people who are like on the opposite end of the world and who speak another language from you yeah but outside of the realm of like talking to people like talking to our devices like iot is a really big thing or is going to be a really big thing in the future and i mean 5g is coming right so imagine we don't really need a google home an alexa that responds when you don't even call them and <laughs> just imagine you walk into your house and you want to turn on the lights and you're you know you talk to your brain and you're like yo like, i want to turn on the lights and it goes off, you know, like, 
You don't need any, you don't need to spend money on Google Homes. You got your brain. Like, your brain is free. It's just that, you know, I don't know how much BCIs will cost in the future. Probably, hopefully, it gets cheaper when it gets more normalized. But, you know, that's the whole idea. Yeah, um, I really think we'll be living in a future where our brains will be connected. We'll have, like, our data will be in our brains, and that will be part of the cloud. Like, right now, we have data from, like, our tech devices, like laptops and phones, but it'll actually be our brains, and our phones will not be a separate object that we use. It'll be a part of humans. It'll be a part of us, and that's how we'll, we'll get our information. We'll just think about what we're think, uh, what we're wondering, and we'll be able to get that information instantly without saying a word. I just want to say, like, this is, like, a question to think about, but, like, what will happen to, like, tests? Like, how are we going to really take tests? You know, how are we actually going to... I mean, technically, you could, like, rem if it's, like, a removable device and pretty much everyone owns it, maybe, like, a policy would be, like, take that device out and you take the test. But I don't know. What do you guys think about that? What if the concept of tests is, won't be a thing? Or what if the concept of tests evolves um, and we're testing more a person's abilities to do, like, real-world um, things as opposed to, like, memorizing facts or... I don't know, um, memorizing a mathematical formula. Yeah, because with BCIs, um, we could potentially have information given right to our brains. So at that point, we wouldn't necessarily need tests for information because we could Google it. Um, and it would be, as Karina said, more focused on actual real-world implementation. Yeah, so sorry to go all metaphysical on you, but what if we all had... A collective consciousness and all of our thoughts and ideas kind of stacked on top of each other and accumulated into this one big cloud of human knowledge and think how think about how exponentially faster our growth would be um, if your knowledge included everyone's knowledge and how fast we would come up with new innovations and add to this whole repository we would be so much more advanced than I agree that that would super accelerate our growth. Although, I mean, a concern there is where boundaries between you and others even lies, because I mean, first of all, like we don't even really, we're not even really sure what defines like a human soul or just who you are right now. Imagine, um, I don't know, just integrate into your consciousness as a consciousness or whatever knowledge, whatever you want to call it of like a million other people, like where where is the boundary between you and other? So then will we really need an all-powerful AI if everyone's brains are really connected? I think that we will have achieved godly status by then. I think we will just essentially be governing ourselves and just be this one all-powerful entity. Seriously, it's kind of a cray-cray. Interesting. Take a moment and imagine that. Take a moment and... Yeah, this is some real 1984 stuff happening. I mean, like, Big Brother is everyone. We're a Big Brother. What? We're Big Sister. We are Big Sister. To go one step deeper, um, I mean, right now we know that, like, we could use BCIs to improve neurological diseases. 
But what other things can be improved with BCIs? Um, so this isn't super scientific, but um, this could totally revolutionize the art field. Because in the past, people would draw and they would like physically put out their emotional like state and ideas. But with brain-computer interfaces, you could just think your art and it would show up in a digital depiction. And I think that's so mind-blowing. Everson Pugh once wrote, If the human brain was so simple that we could understand it, we would be so simple that we couldn't. So think about it. As much as we think that BCIs are sick, this technology is still quite dangerous. We make computers and know exactly how they work and how to modify them. However, we didn't make our brains, and we still really don't know how exactly they work. Questions like, how do we invade our brain carefully and successfully arise? We made progress, but definitely not enough. And when BCIs become really advanced, like what aspects of life will be sacrificed? Yeah, something this reminds me of is how social media um, is based upon people's interests and data and preferences and how companies are paying so much to get this. But with brain-computer interfaces, just imagine how market research would end up looking like. Um, they, would, they would know what you're interested in, what your thoughts are, and your responses to their products inside your brain. Like, this biodata is going to be so, so valuable. And I'm honestly a little bit scared. Like, do we really want all of our data to be out there for companies to use? And that brings up the question of security. How are we going to manage all of this data? Is, is it going to be in a secure system? And there's a lot that can go into that specifically. Um, maybe utilizing things like blockchain, since that's known to be a very secure, decentralized um, method of storing data. But there are also issues within that. So it's definitely important to consider the security and data aspect of BCIs as well. Yeah, and I also think it's really important to think about how we're going to determine uh, whether it's secure enough and whether or not the people um, or even technology in charge of um, ensuring that this data is not going to be hacked or anything is unbiased or actually going to work towards securing it or misuse the data. So is our society really ready for BCIs? I I would say no, only because of the fact that a lot of people today don't know about the emerging tech that is really out there, and they're just overall not prepared uh, because a lot of people aren't really accustomed to change. I mean, I think that currently BCIs are being used in a commercial setting and they're being successful. Their success is acknowledged. Like, for example, the response of neurostimulation um, and different technologies uh, from different companies like Medtronic are, you know, looking to um, implement, you know, similar responsive neurostimulation things with, you know, deep brain stimulation and vagal nerve stimulation. So I think that um, it really depends on the extent that you want to go with it. So, you know, maybe we are, I mean, we are ready to treat epilepsy with BCIs, but maybe we're not ready for telekinesis. So. There, are, there is a lot of nuance and different uh, ways you can go with BCIs. 
I think educating the public is a really important aspect with BCIs or like any general technology before releasing it to the public. If the people don't know what it's what it does and what specifically it's involved with, especially with something like the brain that is so vital for our bodies, not many people will be willing to utilize this technology without knowing a lot about it. So being sure that the public is educated is something that would be really important for actually implementing it. And to wrap this podcast up, NextMind, a fast-growing neurotechnology startup, just announced that it has started shipping its much-anticipated development kit for the world's first real-time brain-sensing wearable, which allows users to take control of their digital world just by using their thoughts. Now, even though they're quite expensive, $399, I mean, how much trust should we have in this product? What do we think about this? This technology is easing into the market of entertainment. You know, we've already seen uh, virtual reality, augmented reality in the world of gaming, and brain-computer interfaces could be an awesome addition to this. You know, people could control their characters, for example, with their minds. And not only would this make gaming more fun, but it could also make it a more inclusive experience to people, for example, who can't necessarily use controllers, uh, maybe people who are vision impaired or hearing impaired. Once BCIs are fully developed for everyday use, how should we provide access and distribute this technology? That's a question to think about. And so you may have came into this podcast thinking, what the heck are BCIs? But now that you know, you could go brag to your family members, brag to your friends. Um... I'm just joking, but unless. But thank you for reaching the end of the podcast. Make sure to check out the description to subscribe to Karina, Danielle, Ashri, and Heroes newsletters to keep up with what they're doing. And other than that, I will see you next week at Gina's Hour. Bye. 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 Bye.